Welcome to the SaaS Lab podcast, where we tell the stories of SaaS founders, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. My name is Luis. I'm the founder of Phantom Agency, a digital marketing agency specializing in scaling SaaS companies. And today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Dennis. He is the founder and CEO over at X.AI, which is a really like an artificial intelligence scheduling tool. Um, super cool. If you've never seen it before, like in action, when somebody sends you, you know, the invite um, to kind of trigger it via email, it's really, really interesting how it's done. So. If you're interested in, in, in learning more about it and trying it out, just go to x.ai um, and check it out. They have a free plan. But first of all, thank you so much for being on here today, Dennis. It's a pleasure having you. And to start off, why don't you just, you know, take us back a little bit to how it was that x.ai started, where the idea came from, and your background in, you know, how you got into tech and stuff like that. That could very easily turn into the uh, four-hour <laughs> seminar, right? And I should really just give you the phone number for my mom and she'll uh, do a very good version of that. Uh, but uh, the, uh, the slightly shorter, more compact version of that is that I took my CS degree some, sadly because I'm getting older, 23 years ago. Mm -hmm. And right out of college, got started on my first venture. And then over the last two and a half decade did four ventures and X.AI is my fifth venture. So I spent a life in mm -hmm. and around startups and, and long entrepreneurship just in general. Mm -hmm. This particular venture uh, got started, I think, when I look back on my idealist, and we can talk about how entrepreneurs come up with good and bad ideas, but certainly when I looked at my list, it was one of those recurring items for where I could almost feel the pain in my note, as in who likes setting up meetings, as in who will ever write you an email and say, you know what I did Thursday night in my underwear at 11 p.m.? I sat in my bed scheduling meetings and I yeah. found it. No, you didn't, yeah. you hate it. And that certainly seemed like a real pain. And I think anything we should do should be about trying to remove or alleviate some pain. Mm -hmm. So as I saw that coming back, on that list again and again, it felt like the right time to kind of put the team back together. We've just done our exits. We did a predictive analytics venture prior to this and had spent kind of a year integrating that. And it was perhaps time to bring the band back together. So we spent three months up at Pret on Broadway, hacking away to see, is this even kind of plausible? Can right. one actually go about engineering this intelligent agent that can schedule meetings on your behalf so you don't have to? Kind of like plenty of things are easy to imagine, right? As in, right. your mom can imagine a self-driving car, but that doesn't mean that we can make it. Or you right. can imagine us going to Mars in Q1 2020, uh -huh. but that's not happening. So you need to kind of figure out what I have imagined. Is that just a fantasy or is that a potential mm -hmm. setting where some engineered solution can uh, be uh, brought forth? So uh, I think that was the beginning and... Uh, then brought the band back together, early 2014, set up shop, April 14th, 0800, and have been working on it uh, the last five years. Wow, wow, super, super awesome. What are essentially, and this is something that we talked about briefly before we got on the podcast, right, just a couple of minutes ago, but you mentioned, uh, you know, really the importance of being seen essentially by the right people, right? So. I brought up that I'd been to your Facebook account, to your LinkedIn account, and I noticed that you had a relatively large following where you see, you know, many startup companies don't necessarily put a lot of emphasis on those things, especially early on, which is, you know, 
it's 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 a given kind of the obviously you have better things to be worried about and 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 you know building stuff and making sure that you have a good product instead of giving yourself a lot of attention but you what i saw you know you had a lot of followings on 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 facebook and then you brought up the fact that you have a lot of followers on linkedin uh quite a lot right 500,000 so half a million on there and it's just constantly eyes on you now what were the you know what were the, the, the factors that kind of brought that kind of attention to X.AI? So we all want, or certainly all as entrepreneurs, dream of some setting for where whatever product we bring to life, people will just uh, stumble in the front door and pick it up with mm -hmm. very little effort on uh, our end. That is rarely the case. So right. no matter how awesome the product might be, you need to go sell it. Then we can talk about how do you sell it. Sometimes that is a top-down traditional enterprise sales effort for where you and me can talk about exactly what all those steps look like. And mm -hmm. any one of our past ventures have kind of been in the enterprise space. And sometimes it's a bottoms-up consumer style, mostly kind of messaging and marketing for where they get exposed to and potentially enticed enough to kind of go check it out, run a trial or sign up for a free mm -hmm. edition or some version of that but you always have to go sell it. And I think if you're in the kind of B2C, or certainly what I might just describe as the kind of B2C to B in that I'm in, which is that we have kind of B2C characteristics, but we're really selling to a professional customer. Right, like it, like that's, that's a lot of the things too in SaaS companies now, like a lot of them are B2B, but it's still in a way B2C because uh, your client is more of a B2C. I think the way I would slice that, so I think uh, what you said is, uh, is right, but uh, it's, it's perhaps uh, two dimensions, right? For where we could all decide and categorize ourselves as either being B2C, as in we sell to consumers. Right. Your mom, my dad, my sister, that mm -hmm. friend from college, and they will use our product and hopefully fall in love with it. And Spotify would be a good example mm -hmm. of that for where, yeah. hey, I got one of those family accounts. I got a Netflix account as well. So that's a consumer company. Right. Then there's uh, B2B companies for where some organization will need some tooling for one more or all of their employees. And I do think you can put yourself in one or the other bucket. I do think that is different though to how you then go about selling to that segment. Right. So I am a B2B company, as in any one of our customers work in some organization and use X.AI and Amy to set up meetings for mm -hmm. work. Some of them might work in a two-man band, some in a 10-man band, right. some in a 10,000-person company, but they're all at work. Now, I think the other dimension is then, how do I sell to that organization? And I think there's some sort of arc here, right, for where some tools can only be sold top-down, as in some piece of CRM software, you can't have uh, like one employee using it and then the rest of the company not using it. That, that doesn't work, right? right. As in, that is a top-down sales mm -hmm. tactic for where either the company buys into this particular tool or they do not. And it's kind of a Boolean outcome. Then you've got other tools that can be sold bottoms up, Slack, Trello, Dropbox, X.AI, yeah. for where any individual employee right now, if you're an account manager at Uber or at Salesforce or at some agency in Brooklyn, mm -hmm. you can just sign up, connect your calendar, 
be off to the races. Just like you saw some people who just sign up for Trello because they needed to kind of coordinate some sort of project and mm -hmm. they're just kind of, kind of adding cards, not because it was some sort of decision from the director of IT. Right. I just need to run this project for the next three weeks. And that allows you to kind of deploy consumer-style sales tactics, but it doesn't make you a consumer company. So I think sure. those are two different uh, dimensions, but uh, kind of very interesting to kind of think about. Yeah, and it's it's super cool because essentially, like in this case, right, if you were able to get into one of the employees at a Fortune 100 company, it just kind of trickles up whenever they start using it inside of the of the organization, and then eventually making its way all the way to the top, and maybe then you get that enterprise deal that you were looking for, essentially. So it kind of sells itself, which is pretty cool. Now. What's one of the you know hardest things that you've encountered so far as you built X.AI? So any startup is really just a bucket of pain, and you should be full aware of that fact before you get started. Doesn't mean mm -hmm. that there's not uh, some happy moments, but I do think the emotions are extreme right for where mm -hmm. when you're happy you're not happy you're ecstatic right when you're sad you cry <laughs> alone in the we work bathroom right yeah so the uh, the outcomes are <laughs> rather extreme mm -hmm. so in in that regard i think uh, if i were to pick one of the items that perhaps was not fully appreciated by me when we started that would be that kind of magical, if you will, inflection point for any machine learning startup where you can move away from labeling your own data to that point where the very use of the product becomes your labeled data. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, a good example here, if we continue to use that self-driving car analogy, for the most part, or for the longest of time, most of these self-driving cars would have a safety driver in the car. And his job is really, if you think about it, to label that data because whenever the car makes a incorrect prediction he will override it and that becomes some sort of label right and you use that as the input to kind of go kind of optimize and train new models and so on and so forth mm -hmm. but at some point you can't have a safety driver in each one of these the car needs to kind of be able to learn from its own mistakes and through its own journey uh, no pun intended here and we're in a very kind of similar setting for where for the longest period of time i thought it would only be a couple of years we hand labeled data as in just to give you some perspective here mm -hmm. we had at some point about a hundred people on our team doing nothing but label data as in that was their full-time job mm -hmm. 24 7 label data and the reason we did that is that language is not just a it's, it's not a solved science mm -hmm. so we needed to go at least carve out a corner of the language universe and see if we could not label enough data against that corner so we could make kind of very accurate predictions such as when you say you want to set up a new meeting or when you're running late or when you want to cancel or reschedule or make me mandatory extend the duration and all the things that can happen in my universe we are making predictions right labeling that data ended up taking about four years. That's crazy. Four years <laughs> in that bloody basement, labeling data. And whenever you think about uh, AI, machine learning, and any of the things you kind of read about, it sounds kind of sexy. It does. And people like to, 
people yeah, like to point that out a lot, right? It is uh, not always as sexy as it uh, sounds. That is just grunt work. And I think most people uh, surrender on the grunt work. Uh, mm -hmm. We stuck to it and just uh, kept labeling data until we kind of hit that inflection point. And we hit that on June 1st this year. Wow. Obviously, again, for any machine learning startup, magical. So that means your unit economics goes from many times uh, dramatically negative yeah. to very positive, straight mm -hmm. kind of software margins. And you can do things that you couldn't do before, such as we launched the free edition on the 9th of September because we reached that inflection point. Mm. So uh, I think if I were to pick one, and I could add another hundred, but certainly that one uh, you know, sticks in my memory of not being as long as I thought it would be. But then again, it's always harder than you think. Yeah, totally. What's been the best, like, so were you always planning on launching a free version of the product? Yeah. So I, free is really just an acquisition tactic. Totally. If you think about it, but where I launch free because I hope that uh, some people they'll end up using it fall in love and buy right. a premium edition and pay mm -hmm. me $8. Right. Mm -hmm. So I need to kind of figure out, could I sell a thousand accounts straight up at $8? Mm -hmm. Or could I give away 50,000 free accounts and then 1,200 somehow convert into premium? Then yeah. I'm 200 up. I can only do that, obviously, if my cost of goods sold is marginal. And right. it doesn't cost me much to provide that uh, yeah. good uh, 48K some free accounts. Mm -hmm. That was not possible until uh, June 1st uh, this year for us. But we always knew that we wanted to do that. And yeah. the primary reason for that is that Sometimes you do it, as I said, for acquisition reasons, mm -hmm. just because I think I can acquire more customers using right. this particular acquisition strategy. Sometimes you also do it because there are real network effects to the very tool that you put to market. Mm -hmm. And by network effects, a perfect scenario here is obviously one where uh, Louis sends me an email saying, hey, Dennis, I'm going to be in Manhattan in uh, December. Do you got time to meet up? I say, yeah, that sounds fun. I've seen it in Amy. She can find some time at the office for a couple of hours when you're here. As I click send, your response should be awesome. I've seen it in Andrew at X.AI on my end. He can hash it out with Amy. But if Andrew is Amy, who the hell is she talking to? <laughs> She's talking to herself. And that means there is no back and forth. There's yeah. this instant preference negotiation where the meeting gets set as we talk about it 10 seconds later, oh, mm -hmm. we're meeting uh, December 4th, 10 a.m. at 200 Broadway, meeting room 9F. Mm -hmm. oh, that is fucking sexy. Yeah. And that suggests a real network effect for where I am actually serving my paying customers better mm -hmm. if I have a large pool of free users yeah, yeah, who yeah. might or might not ever become paying customers. It is just when they meet them, they're better off. So. Cool. Uh, that is certainly another reason outside of the uh, acquisition strategy itself. That's super cool. Have you ever thought about ways of monetizing the free uh, version of the product? Like, uh, no. maybe like doing some sort of ads or something like nah, that? Uh, no, no, none of that. Uh, I think for some tools that is plausible yeah. and honest and fair. I think for the market that we're in, first of all, given I just confirmed that we are a B2B company, that means we're exposed in 
B2B settings, it doesn't feel kosher right. to try to extract money from a meeting between some individual and their account manager over at Oracle. Mm-hmm. Doesn't, even just when you say it out loud, doesn't leave yeah. you with the right taste. Mm-hmm. So that is uh, not where we're headed. We are not interested in extracting money from the data, the free edition, or what have you. We are interested in one, extending the network mm-hmm. so that my paying customers are happier. And mm-hmm. two, if I do a good job, then perhaps uh, a few of these people will say, you know what? Yeah. If I can move Amy to my domain, I'll give you a few dollars. Mm-hmm. Oh, if I can move my whole team to it, I'll give you a few dollars. Oh, if you can integrate with my meeting room so I don't have to kind of book a meeting room, I'll do that. Oh, if you can log into my Zoom account so I don't have to log in and find my own URL, hey, I'll give you a few dollars. So that's, uh, that's the strategy, cool. not to uh, monetize otherwise. Awesome, awesome. What, uh, this is, this is, I don't know if this is, you know, the thing per se, right? Would you say that this is a red ocean or a blue ocean? Because when you look at it, a lot of the, a lot of the scheduling tools, like Calendly, obviously a huge one, they're not necessarily using AI, um, you know, the way that you are right now. So is, would it be even, you know, correct to say that companies like that are a competition or how do you look at it? So the matter of the fact is that none of us got any penetration, meaning that there's a little bit above 10 billion formal meetings being set up in the U S alone every year by mm-hmm. some 80, 85 million knowledge workers. The vast majority, if not almost all of those meetings are being set up by individuals themselves, mm-hmm. not by admin staff, that is less than 0.1%, not right. by AI, not by Calendly, not by Duro, mostly by people themselves. Mm-hmm. So we are all trying to figure out at what point does this hit some inflection point for where it becomes silly to the point of stupid to do this yourself. Right. Kind of like if you tell me that uh, you have all your company files on the laptop you sit on right now and you haven't uploaded them to the cloud, you're crazy. I said, I hope you have all your files in the cloud. You might have some sort of replica uh-huh. for the reason on your local laptop, but they're certainly in the cloud. But that took a decade, right? Because there was a time, go back 10 years to where some people say, Oh, have you uploaded your files to the cloud? Are you crazy? To the internet? That doesn't make any sense. I'm <laughs> hard disk in my laptop. I'm not doing that. Then yeah. we blink. Now, near 100% of people will have their files somewhere mm-hmm. in the cloud. Mm-hmm. So there's some sort of move away. It goes from being you know, a little bit kind of obscure. Mm-hmm. You're a rebel. You're a rogue employee. To you're crazy if you don't do it. Right. I think the same curve. And... If I go back a few years, it certainly seemed almost socially unacceptable or socially awkward to use software to schedule meetings. Yeah. If I look at it today, I think we are kind of in the middle territory where in many settings, it is socially uh, okay and socially accepted to use software. If introduced in the right way, I don't think we've yet kind of driven into the mainstream, but mm-hmm. we're moving towards that. So to answer your question, we're all at 0% penetration. Right. I do think it is likely you'll only see a few winners. As in, we don't have, to use the prior example, 140 storage companies. We have 
you know, a dozen or less, right? Yeah. Box, Dropbox, iCloud, G Drive, OneDrive. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of almost at the end of the list, right? And I think it will be reasonably similar in this space given the network effects, mm -hmm. where we can only create those network effects if a few companies end up with a large enough user pool where you often enough hit another Amy at X.I user, right? So mm -hmm. that you can get the kind of magic of instant scheduling. Right. So uh, I would like to believe I'm certainly fighting uh, the good fight uh, to be one of those companies and uh, you know, give me a ring in uh, four years and I'll tell you whether <laughs> I died or uh, whether we uh, became I'll, one of them. I'll be sure to do that. What do you think is, and I mean, this is obviously purely opinion, right? And, and maybe nobody has the right answer, but what do you think is maybe, you know, that tipping point where people will suddenly realize that it's much, much more effective to do this where you literally just type a sentence within that email to have a meeting, you know, schedule with the other person that you're trying to meet. Um, like, what do you think needs to happen for everyone to just kind of like get it, get the ha moment in, in, in this sense? I think I would, uh, and I'm obviously biased here. Uh, so anything which I say, uh, anybody should assume is slightly biased towards me wanting this to happen. Right. And I do think it's not some moment. I think it's happening as we speak, as in we're on the right trajectory. I said, go back five years. How many people did you see CCN, Amy at X.AI? How many links to Calendly or Doodle or what have you did you see? Right. A whole lot less than today. So we're on the right trajectory. So I think the question would be, what should happen for us to kind of see this accelerate so that we get to the destination faster? Mm -hmm. I do think we have some things happening. So the more Alexa devices or Google Assistant devices or the more use of Siri on your iPhone, the more likely we are to get there faster because you get used to the idea of you asking an agent to do something mm. for you. Even if you just train on setting your alarm for tomorrow morning mm -hmm. or setting a timer or playing some music uh, on Spotify or whatever that might be, but it is you training on the idea of, I can ask some entity to do some piece of work for me. It might be really minimal and just a tiny chore as setting a timer or setting an alarm. But then tomorrow, I'll ask Amy to set up a meeting between uh, Tommy, Dennis, and Luis come first week of Jan for an hour on Zoom, mm -hmm. right? So you're moving towards that being normal. Right. So I think we're in the right directory, and I think we are seeing some of the items that can help accelerate it. So uh, <laughs> the more Alexis on that set of Christmas trees on the 24th, 25th, <laughs> uh, the better for me. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think that's totally spot on the fact that as we move forward, like we're, we're getting more used to just, you know, giving commands. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing necessarily, but we're, we're getting used to it. Right. And, and essentially we're leveraging the fact that we can, we have the luxury of that, you know, technology to do things for us. And I think, uh, so I do think it's a positive and again, uh, you know, bias alert here, but I think you might want to make a distinction between probably all prior software paradigms, at least up until this point for where anything which we did, whether on the command line when I took my CS degree or in some kind of graphical UI when my mom got introduced to uh, WordPerfect mm -hmm. or a kind of 
mobile touch UI, which my kids kind of grew up on. And all of those were very kind of task driven. Yeah. So if you're going to go change an image in Photoshop, you actually know what you want to do in your mind. I think you yeah. have a well-described objective. I'm trying to kind of make this image uh, A in the right format, in the right size. Uh, I need to kind of retouch it in these three ways and then save it so I can upload it to LinkedIn as my profile picture. So you already know what you want in your mind, totally. but you ask Photoshop to do that. Even though each one of the kind of 17 little distinct tasks that you do mm -hmm. aren't hard. I yeah. change from uh, you know, JPEG to a PNG or PNG to JPEG, uh, crop from uh, you know, 2,500 down to 1,440 and uh, yeah. touch this part here. All of that is simple, but you do them. So mm -hmm. you do the job. Now, I do think that there might be a paradigm shift where we are just at the verge of being able to tell software what objective we want to achieve. And then the software will figure out how figure to Figure out what to do it. Totally. So you should really have been able to just tell Photoshop, hey, can you take this picture and make it uh, ready and available for me to upload to LinkedIn? Yeah. Okay. I don't know what you do. Just do what I told you to do. And then once you've done it, you know, I'll upload it. Right. Uh, I'm not saying that's a good example. I might find a better one, but it's the whole idea of you doing 17 distinct tasks versus you describing an objective you want done. Definitely. And on the objective part, what's interesting is that you many times have multiple true outcomes. As in, if I ask to set up a quick 20-minute chat between Lewis and Dennis come early next week on Google Hangout, I can do a Monday 1, Monday 2, Tuesday 8 a.m., but they're all true. And they're all equally good to me. Yeah. One of them might be better for you though, but that's for Amy and X that I actually kind of figured out. Mm -hmm. but that is interesting where I know what I want. I don't really care how it gets done. Yeah. I care that it does get done. So please do what I told you to do. So mm -hmm. that I think is a very interesting kind of paradigm shift. Mm -hmm. And I actually find that to be a positive one. Definitely. And that is one for where we do way too much shit at work for where we add very little value as uh -huh. anybody who's trying to reimburse a bagel for two dollars and concur at whatever corporate job they might have mm. will be crying as they do it i said what what am i doing here i said why do i need to do 11 little kind of clicks to get my two dollars back or my five dollars back you know what forget it yeah. I pay for these uh, lunches myself with uh, mm -hmm. these clients I'm taking out because I don't have the energy to kind of insert it into kind of the yeah. reimbursement system. So, right. so I do think uh, we are heading towards that. And I find that uh, kind of just exciting as a uh, technology. Definitely. I think it's definitely exciting to, to kind of like see it, especially now the way that you kind of, you know, positioned it essentially about, you know, having that objective. And, and I think Photoshop was a great example because it's just tedious and nobody likes to do it. Right. And, and if you could just, talk to the computer and say, Hey, like I need this image for LinkedIn and it already knows what to do. I think that would be awesome. Uh, so hopefully Adobe's listening to this podcast at some point. <laughs> and I think uh, when that happens, which will not happen overnight, you know, that would right. be a, a long road towards that. Mm -hmm. We finally fully democratize access to compute. So we certainly uh, democratized it along the way, the way it used to be that you needed to be pretty yeah. much an expert to get access to compute, as in there was a strict syntax and nobody but kind of CS grads 
could really get mm -hmm. access. Mm -hmm. Then we got user interfaces that suddenly democratized it so that most knowledge workers in most offices with yeah. minimal education could take advantage. And then we have these touch interfaces where you could probably give an iPad to a three-year-old mm -hmm. and with uh, little education, they'll figure out how to navigate it. And before you know it, they are playing all sorts of interesting things on YouTube. <laughs> but I'm not suggesting that we reach the end. I actually do think we still have some part of the population that is excluded from compute. And I think yeah. as we start to kind of explain objectives, we might just finally include that uh, subset of the population that uh, are yet to kind of take advantage. Mm -hmm. They can just ask the computer to do what they want it to do without knowing, hey, you need to kind of uh, install this app from the app store. And yeah. just by saying that, they got lost, right? As in, my mom got the exact same 17 apps that I installed on an iPad and gave her for Christmas two years ago. She's not installing any new apps. I said, yeah. that's not happening. There's some icons I can click on, and that's that. Mm -hmm. So I, I do think uh, that uh, is something for where the very people that we sometimes assume that we might lose are the very ones that we're about to include now. Yeah. Yeah, it makes me happy. Interesting. Yeah, that's really, really cool. Now, it's kind of like shift the conversation here a little bit. What have been the most successful, you know, uh, marketing strategies, if you will, that you've implemented so far that you saw uh, a nice return on? We, we've had the, uh, a ton of kind of experiments on the acquisition side. Mm. One of late that worked uh, very well, but could only work post us having launched a free edition of Expert AI, mm. was that from the end of onboarding, we now, uh, with your approval, uh, read your calendar and see who you met with the most over the last year. Mm. Then I give you a list of, hey, uh, you met with uh, Ling 88 times. Uh, she's not an XDI user. You can invite her so that the next time, given you meet with her so much, you don't have to do anything. You're yeah. both just members of this uh, scheduling network and it can happen instantly. Do right. you want to invite her? Tick. And then we have this whole list and people will say, you know what? Let me invite these uh, 17 people that I meet with often enough. Uh -huh. And it's kind of one of those, uh, I help them help me, or totally. they help me help them, or however you want to kind of put it. And mm -hmm. that uh, worked uh, quite well. Uh, yeah. And it was really just a quick two week hack for where do people see what we're trying to do here, which is not have them sell us our new users, but have us help them connect the very people they meet with the most so that they don't have to burden them with any dialogue. They can yeah, just yeah. Say, get me and Ling together on Tuesday afternoon on Skype. Send, click, ah, oh, Tuesday, 2.30, my Skype ID is this, and the whole thing yeah. is set. So that was a uh, very interesting acquisition hack. And uh, obviously, uh, I still remember it. Very cool, very cool. What about challenges as far as, you know, are there any places that have been successful, for example, LinkedIn? And I did notice that you, you tend to go on there. Uh, I don't know if it's live videos or, or if it's just you upload videos, but a lot of content, right? Uh, what is your take on essentially like personality branding in this sense, right? It looks like you're almost the face of the company, which is a good thing, I think, because it gives you that personal touch. How is that performing and, and, and where do you see it kind of going? 
I do think if you're in a space where we do not yet know exactly how it's going to play out. So we've been talking about the conversational UI bots or intelligent agents for many years now, and I'm not sure we have fully arrived at the destination and uh, mm -hmm. things have come and things have disappeared. So I'm happy that we're still here, but there's still a whole host of unknowns. And I think in that scenario, you should not be shy to talk about both what you're working on, struggles, some assumptions, mm -hmm. some of the answers that you found to bring people along, even mm -hmm. when you're wrong saying, hey, we made this assumption in the past. And I'll give you one assumption that we've talked about openly. So any company who will sell to a set of customers will try to please those customers so that they stay customers, hopefully for the longest uh, period of time. And we certainly did the same. That was wrong. And somehow I didn't see that early on. And as I say that, you're thinking, how can that ever be wrong, Dennis? It is wrong when the very product that you sell to your customers becomes the interface between them and their customers. Mm. So think of this in a perhaps more obvious example. So eBay have at least two constituents. Mm. They have buyers and sellers. They make all of their money on the sellers. As in, you upload some item you wanna sell, you add some extra description, you're paying a little bit of a premium for that, and that is the vast majority of their revenue. And mm -hmm. that would suggest if that is where they make all their money, they should do anything in their power to please those sellers. So yeah. Extra tools, and better interfaces, and what have you. But you know what? They shouldn't, and they don't. They try to please the buyers. The buyers pay them zero. So why would they please the buyers? They please the buyers. Because you know what the sellers care about? People buying their shit. Yeah. They just want to make sure, even through all sorts of obstacles, that if you bring some happy buyers, hey, I'm here. I would love if you don't add unnecessary pain to my life, but mm -hmm. just make sure that the buyers are happy. So in my world, that translates to a setting for where Dennis, I kind of like XAI. It's awesome. I can just kind of CC and Amy, have her set up a meeting at some point in February when that whole team is in town to kind of discuss that kind of partnership. But you know what they really care about? That those yes are happy. Yeah. That they're treated well. That they have the minimum amount of work they need to do to schedule that meeting. So for too long, we catered to the host, our customer, and have over the last more than a year, flip that around. Not that we don't care about them. It's just that if there's ever a dilemma or ever a conflict, we make sure that the guest is happy. Mm -hmm. That worked wonders. But it was one of those for where we didn't see that immediately and they didn't say so outright. They would say things like, uh, I'm a little bit nervous about whether the initial email you send to my guest is correct. Mm -hmm. Okay, me too. Uh, so then I'll you know, increase my prediction accuracy and invest uh, all sorts of money and time and energy in that. But really what they said was, do anything you can to make sure that you don't ever expose my guests to anything. And if I need to do some work to confirm that, hey, I'm up for it. So today, for example, to just stick to that uh, little backdrop, mm -hmm. we actually 
upon request, read back to the host, hey, I'm about to set up a 20 minute meeting at your office with these four people for where Lamy is optional, calling it uh, you know, product launch in the UK. We good? Give me a quick thumbs up. And then they'll just say, yeah, thumbs up. And then we get cranking on it. But that was one of those things where I just, I just didn't see that. Uh, yeah. But now, of course, in hindsight, in hindsight, everything is uh, Everything's obvious. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. And uh, we're getting close to the time here, but if you could go back to when you first started the company, knowing everything that you know now, like what would be one thing that you would have most likely done differently? I would have been more willing to portray the tool as just that, a tool, a piece of software, mm -hmm. not as something that you might confuse with a human assistant. Mm. And the inner geek, perhaps for the first year, in me and the remainder of the team, took some pride in the extremely well-designed agent that we put in place. So well-designed that plenty of people never figured out that this was a piece of software. They just assumed, ah, oh, I guess, Thomas got an assistant called Amy, good yeah. for him. And that's that. But whenever we fool somebody, we didn't really win anything. Mm. As in, we won nothing. If anything, we lost something. Because, not yeah, because they didn't know that it was a tool that they could have also. Exactly. But yeah. when we lost, we lost big time. As in, somebody would reschedule a meeting because something had happened to their daughter. They would write a paragraph, long excuse for having to kind of reschedule it. And then they find out it's a piece of software. And that left them with a sour taste. Interesting. And... We should have been way more upfront, which we are today. We are super transparent that this is a tool. We yeah. do like to work so well that they're uh -huh. still gonna thank the tool in the end, saying, oh, thank you very much. <laughs> but they're never confused about this being a tool. Yeah. So I think that I would, uh, I would change. And yeah. uh, that, that geekiness attached to running a thousand touring tests a day, uh, I would have done that day one and then day two, have yeah. uh, skipped it and uh, straight into exposing this uh, as a tool. That's awesome. That's awesome, Dennis. And uh, last question here, where can people find you online? So I'm everywhere on the internet, like everybody else, but you can uh, do two things. Uh, one, I am at Dennis Mortensen on Twitter, LinkedIn, and what have you. Mm. And the company is on the domain x.ai. Very cool. And if there's anything which I said here that made just a little bit of sense, or if you're curious about just what does AI look like in late 2019, we got a free edition. You can sign up and you can immediately try to kind of ask the agent to do something for you. Forget about whether you ever end up using this forever. Just get a flavor of where we act with AI. Mm -hmm. I uh, strongly encourage you with all my biases uh, to go check that out on X.AI. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Dennis, for being on here today. It was really a pleasure having you. Uh, I feel like I learned a ton about yourself, the company, and really, you know, where this could lead uh, in the coming years. I'm excited to see where you take this. And uh, again, thank you so much to anyone that's listening. Make sure to subscribe, like, uh, follow us, give us a review on, on whatever streaming platform you like to use. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you so much. Cheers. Bye-bye.